Welcome to Millennial Money Minutes, where we tackle tough personal finance topics in five minutes or less. With your host, Grant from MillennialMoney.com and Matt from DistilledDollar.com. Hey everyone, we're super stoked to have Scott Trench, the author of Set for Life, Dominate Life, Money, and the American Dream. So Scott, uh, super young guy, definitely a millennial. Uh, we're looking face-to-face here. If you all could be on video, you could see us. We're having a lot of fun. Um, so Scott, tell us, what is the book about? Who are you? And uh, what are you going to share today? Uh, well, well, my name's Scott. I'm the uh, VP of Operations here at BiggerPockets.com. We help people build wealth through real estate investing. The book is not really about real estate investing. Though. The book is about how to go from a full-time job that you may not love to early financial freedom. So it's about how to go from like a median salary, save your money, uh, build out some of what I call financial runway, uh, and then produce – Produce and acquire real assets, things outside of your home equity, outside of retirement accounts that can generate passive income so that you have at least the option to retire early. So that's my passion. That's what I try to do all day long every day is just figure out how I can best help as many people as possible do that. Yeah, dude, we're like all on the same team, part of the same movement. Uh, yeah, so I mean, without giving away obviously the details, you know, from the book, but uh, you know, you you can share more on your story. So, how, like, how did you go about that process uh, starting off? Yeah, where did it start? Sure. Yeah, and there's no secret, so I'm happy to talk about anything that uh, comes up in the book. But I started out at a company called Dish Network, and I was crunching spreadsheets for uh, for them in the in the financial department. It was an okay job, but I knew that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my adult life. So I was like, how do I get out of having to work for income like this? And so I started reading a bunch of different books. I probably read 150 different books on business, personal finance, all that stuff. And what I actually – the way I got kind of truly started was through a blog called Mr. Money Mustache. Purports, I guess, uh, financial freedom through badassity, being frugal, you know, doing things yourself, taking control of your life and responsibility for that. And so I kind of applied that concept at first to kind of start saving up my first initial bit of capital. Um, so I was able to save about twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars on my forty-eight thousand dollar per year salary back in uh, two thousand fourteen. Wow! So that was so. How long? How long did that take you then to save up to that much? It's like a sixty percent savings rate. Yeah, um, probably after tax it was probably about sixty percent. I think it was it was closer to forty percent after after tax because I earned more income on the side by driving Uber. I tutored uh, a little bit and I took advantage of some opportunities at work. They had an ESPP, for example, where I could buy stock at a lower price and sell it. So I was able to make like an extra three grand doing that. Um, so you took advantage but, of every opportunity. It sounds like hustler. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that took me about twelve months. Or ish to save up that twenty that twenty k, um, and then I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to invest more effectively than, you know, ten percent annual returns that the stock market historically produces. So that's what turned me on to real estate. So I started listening to this other podcast called the Bigger Pockets podcast, uh, which ended up being my employer. I, we can talk about that in a little bit if you want. <laughs> but I was like, okay. I need to deploy this first amount of capital in a way that's going to give me the maximum benefit. And the way that I decided to do that was through a concept called house hacking. And what that meant, what that meant for me was I bought a duplex. I used that 20K. I used $12,000 of that to buy a $240,000 duplex. Uh, I fixed it up, did some repairs for a couple months, and then I rented out the other side for $1,150, and I rented out half of my two-bed, one-bath side for $550. 
So if you're following the math here, that's $1,700 per month. My mortgage was $1,550. So I was able to basically live for free. That's a little bit of extra cash flow, but I probably spent that on maintenance and utilities and all that junk. Um, but that was awesome. I was living for free with this duplex uh, after my, with my first year of savings. Um, and that, that enabled me to, to kind of exponentially grow my savings rate. Um, and plus, you know, when you buy with that little down, it was a 5% down FHA loan, which a lot of homeowners can use. Um, you're highly leveraged. So, you know, one point of appreciation is worth 20% ROI on your initial investment when you're leveraged like that. And the way I perceived it was it was very low risk because the market crashes. Yeah, sure, I'll lose some equity, but at least I'll have the tenants on the other side helping me out with the mortgage payment. So that was kind of my path there. And then as my financial position improved, I felt comfortable leaving my job um, at Dish Network and taking a chance on this tiny startup with two or three employees called Bigger Pockets. Um, and that has led to more opportunity on the income front. So that's all. I mean, it's exactly what you said. Uh, just reading a little bit off your book from Amazon about creating that little piece of financial freedom and then how one opportunity leads to another. And yeah, like I said before, you're taking advantage of that, which is great. Yeah, I think I have one question. Or if you have any advice, I think a lot of people. Um, first off, uh, you know, huge kudos for the FHA loan and putting the five percent down. That's something I preach heavily on the mm -hmm. blog. A lot of people just think they need to save twenty percent down payment, and they don't really leverage. Uh, you know, PMI and they miss out on market opportunities. They never buy, they can't save. Um, can you talk a little bit about how sort of mentally someone can get over that barrier and, and, you know, real estate is certainly can be a risky investment, but a lot of times we hear like, Oh man, I'm not ready to buy a home. Um, but it's a lot easier than a lot of people think. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, you prepared yourself and how you'd recommend others prepare themselves to kind of jump in? Yeah, absolutely. And, and forgive me, I have a little bit of a strong opinion on the home buying subject, so uh, which I'll dive into in a second here. But buying a home itself, buying real estate, is not a challenging endeavor. It's not a particularly difficult thing to do. Otherwise, there wouldn't be seventy-five to eighty million homeowners that own their own their homes. You know, right. if the average American can do it, uh, you shouldn't think that this is something that's that's really difficult. Um, but as far as buying the home, if you're going to put down, let's let's say I was making, I was making fifty k a year. Let's say the maximum I could qualify for was three hundred thousand dollar home, um, and I get a loan. I put down five percent, so I have a two hundred eighty, two hundred ninety thousand dollar loan. That's going to be about call eighteen hundred to nineteen hundred dollar principal, interest, taxes, insurance, and mortgage insurance from that uh, PMI. Well, I've really just screwed myself over on the, in the pursuit of early financial freedom, at least in, a, in an early sense, because I now have all of my cash flow come from my job going to this mortgage payment and into equity. And that equity is not what I call part of your financial, it's not part of uh, what I call your financial runway. It's not something that you can deploy to make decisions. You're not going to leave your job and live off of your home equity in the meantime, for the most part. So I believe that if you, if you kind of make those typical decisions where you get that finance car, that finance home, um, and have that high mortgage payment, that high, cash, uh, high monthly cash outflow, that you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage in terms of accumulating real assets, uh, which produce income and you know that you're willing to spend in pursuit of early financial freedom. So I, oh, go ahead. No, that's a, that, no, no. I was gonna. <laughs> you can tell we rarely do these on video, so you can actually tell when I'm getting ready to ask a question. Um, I was gonna say um, one of the things that I loved just about your story and. Um, 
uh, your post that, that you wrote for, for my site um, is that, you know, there's just, you're trying to do it for cash flow, right? So like you just said, you want that cash flow. Um, what are you doing with the cash? Are you then investing that into stocks? Are you just investing it into other properties? What are you doing with that that money that you're making instead of just having it locked up, like you said, in equity, which you don't view as part of a financial runway? Sure. So my, my real estate or my investing philosophy overall is I want to be, I, I adhere to the kind of concept of dollar cost averaging. And which means that you basically invest a small amount over time uh, and regular installments. And I'm trying to deploy that with real estate investing. So I'm actually trying to invest and acquire large assets, you know, real estate, hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate annually. Um, and the way I can do that is with house hacking. You know, it's easy to use a 5% down conventional or FHA loan to buy one of these properties every year and then stabilize it. And the, and the reason why I perceive this as to be reasonably low risk is because if the market turns down, I can continue living in my property as long as it takes to stabilize it. And I'm still living at a much lower cost than my peers who are renting or homeowning or, or that are homeowners. So my philosophy is I want to accumulate enough cash uh, each year to continue to buy uh, real estate. And I'm fortunate enough in the last few years to have my financial position improving where I can actually buy rental properties uh, with the 20% down. Uh, so I, I can actually, you know, I actually happen to like the, the place I'm living in. So it'll take a really unique opportunity for me to want to move into another house hack. Uh, but I'll continue to put down that 20 percent, uh, 20, 25 percent on on duplexes, triplexes, quads, that kind of stuff um, until hopefully my position continues to improve over time and I'm able to graduate into a little bit larger properties. So how many properties so, do you have? So right now I've got the I've got two duplexes that I'm uh, in the process of offering on a third third property here. So. And you live in one of them? Yep. Okay, great. Wow. So, and how old are you? I'm 26. Yes. So. Yes. As, yeah. It is possible, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So with the, with the FHA loans, are you able to take out multiple FHA loans? It's not just a one-time thing. Can you talk a little bit about that advantage? So you can only have one FHA loan at a time. What that means is, uh, for, practical, for practical purposes, is you can buy a property using an FHA loan, move in, you know, fix it up, uh, which increases your equity. Wait for the, you know, pay down the loan through loan amortization. So you're getting a little bit more equity through that. You're saving money on cash flow, so that helps you build up your savings account, and you might benefit from market appreciation. Well, if, if through the combination of those factors you're able to get up to 20, 25 percent equity, you can then refinance out of that FHA loan, get rid of your PMI, uh, you know, your mortgage, I guess is MIP with FHA loan, get rid of that mortgage insurance and then refinance into kind of a conventional loan, which can lower your, your payments. And then you can reuse another FHA loan to, to, to purchase another property. So that was my perception going in was I had to get, I had to get to this 25% equity so that I could, I could effectively increase my purchasing power by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Cause it's, you know, a big feat to save up 75k to put down 25% on a $300,000 rental, but it's not that big a feat to save up 15k for that next rental. That's so, so smart. A- That's so smart. I've actually never heard of anyone doing that. Um, when I bought my first property, um, I put down 5%. I wasn't smart enough to use an FHA loan, but to your point, I worked really hard to get it to, to 25% um, equity and then refinance at an insanely low 15% rate. So are you a 30 year or 15 year mortgage guy or what, what, what's your, what's your hack there, uh, building on the, the, the refinancing from 
to get out of the FHA and 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 mortgage insurance situation? So I still consider myself to be in the aggressive accumulation of wealth phase. So I like the thirty year the thirty year loan for that because uh, that improves my cash flow. Uh, and it allows me to, to reinvest that money in assets that I'm willing to hustle and maintain. So I think I can sustain a much higher rate of return than the interest rate on my debt. And if I ever change my mind, my rationale is that I can then go ahead and pay down that debt early. Oh, man, this is the softball so, question we've been waiting for. So what do you estimate as being your annual return so far doing this? So so <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but when you're house hacking and you put down 5%, Right. Remember, I mentioned one percent of appreciation is worth twenty percent ROI on your initial investment. Right. Three percent is sixty percent. So if you're just doing as if you're just going with inflation, you're going to get a sixty percent ROI on on your initial cash investment. You know, less the closing costs and all that stuff. So uh, under, factor all that in. But you're you're if you're calculating an ROI on house hacking, you're going to get a return that's in the hundred percent plus. You know, real estate does not produce that kind of return. Leverage real estate can, if you're willing to hustle and do some work, probably produce a little bit better than maybe like a 10% return like the the average annual return of the stock market. Again, that will be because you're doing work on it. Right. But the house hack, because of that extreme leverage, you know, the returns are, it's kind of, it's kind of silly to discuss the, the, the numbers there because it's, it's so effective, especially when you fact, and that's in com- combination with you not paying rent anymore. Right, and that's right. the crazy thing because we, you know, we've done a few episodes on this on what's a realistic rate of return, you know, and we mm-hmm. get in that sort of six to maybe eleven percent range, and then we're such haters on just like anyone promising you forty percent mm-hmm. or fifty or sixty yeah. percent. But dude, this is totally legit. It's right? Yeah. If you're working with small dollar amounts, absolutely, you can multiply those overnight. So then, from my understanding, with an FHA, it's up to seven hundred thousand. So, are you starting to look towards trying to buy a bigger property in the future, or are you still looking at like that two hundred, three hundred k range? Yeah. So, so it's funny because I wrote an article for Bigger Pockets recently called "How I Went from Zero Dollars in Net Worth to Qualifying to Purchase Over a Million Dollars in Real Estate in Just Under Two Point Five Years." And the reason for that is the house hacking is and. I'm I'm right now currently as we speak qualified to purchase you know 700 actually it's closer to 900,000 with an FHA loan on a quadplex because I can use the additional income from those other units to help me qualify for that loan. Wow. Plus my extra cash can be help can be used to purchase a duplex or single family home with 15% down. So I'm qualified to buy a tremendous amount of real estate. I I think that's too risky. I don't know if I could sustain that with the rest of my personal position. I don't know if I could sustain the the financing costs on on a real estate that like that big, uh, especially if I'm not willing to devote my full time efforts to managing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to look. I'm trying to stay small. I'm trying to stay in the the three hundred four hundred thousand dollar range for a duplex or single family. Uh, I might go a little bigger if I found a great quadplex or triplex in a great part of town that I'd be willing to live in, um, and that might not produce as great a financial return as maybe. A smaller duplex, but I might enjoy living there more. Okay, if that sounds, makes any sense. Yeah, so. no, it sounds like yeah, like you said, staying small. It's really staying within your circle of competence, right? I feel like probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you know people within the real estate world, but I feel like you know you start to buy a few properties, you start to hit it big, and then all of a sudden you might bite off more than you can chew. It sounds like you're I, doing the right thing here, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of making that mistake. I do not want to bite off more than I can chew. I'm, I want to stay pretty conservative. I want to buy. Cash. My, my rule of thumb is if I'm sustaining a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars over the 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 pity the the, the financing costs, yep. 
I'm reasonably likely not to go bankrupt on that property, especially if I have a sizable reserve set up. And so I'm looking for, you know, a lot of investors on, on bigger pockets, there's a big debate about cash flow versus appreciation. Well, my thing is I'm willing to have cash flow. I, I need to have at least that amount that I think can cover all the operating expenses and produce some cash flow. But I'm willing to take a little less cash flow with the thousands on the on the thousand side of that thousand to fifteen hundred spectrum, if I believe if I perceive that the property is in a location with more potential. So that's kind of how I how how I'm analyzing these properties. How many do you analyze before you purchase one? Hundreds. I got my real estate license um, last year to help me with this. Um, and yeah, I just I look at the MLS every single day, and I talk about real estate every single day. You know, I try to beat several people a week for coffee and oh, pick man. people's brains that are smarter than me. So if you're ever yeah. in Chicago, I know like a hundred people you could talk to. That's for sure. Dude, you look like a young Robert yeah. De Niro. I get that all the time. You get that all the time. <laughs> totally do, man. I, I have the worst. You talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> impression of all time Sorry, too. You got, so. t- you got plenty of time to work on it. <laughs> yeah. You, know? you got plenty, plenty of time. Um, so tell us a little bit about Bigger Pockets. So it sounds like your career and your interest are really perfectly aligned uh, in, in your role. What do you do? What do you have access to? Tell us a little bit about it. Awesome. Yeah. So so the way I like to describe Bigger Pockets in ten seconds is we help. Median to upper middle class, you know, uh, earners in America build wealth through real estate investing, and there's a ton of different ways to to build wealth in real estate investing, and there are a lot of right ways to build to build wealth, and there are a lot of wrong ways, a lot of or a lot of risky ways mm-hmm. to do that. And so what we do is we provide a forum for intelligent debate on those different types of strategies. So what makes what makes sense is a smart investment here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see that in San Francisco, and you're not going to have. You're going to have a very different strategy in Memphis, Tennessee, or Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But people are building wealth in all of those places with different strategies. People are building wealth with new developments, with rentals, with condos, um, all that different stuff. So we have a forum that debates that. We have a podcast that kind of gets investors. Uh, we have 220 different uh, perspectives that you can hear on that on the podcast. Wow. We've got a blog. So. I mean, I actually never thought about real estate investing as obviously it's market driven, but the fact that your strategy can differ so dramatically by market. So what's unique about Denver uh, as opposed to another market? Um, what what makes Denver unique? Um, well, so for me, well, first of all, I'll start with, I'll start with two things. So the, the, the di- like two diametrically opposed strategies are going to be like uh, – Maybe Denver, Colorado, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right? In Milwaukee, you can buy a house for forty grand and rent it for eight hundred dollars. So you're getting two percent of the purchase price in rent. In Denver, Colorado, a house might cost three hundred grand and you rent it for two thousand dollars, or 067 percent of the purchase price. Now, you know, there's rules of thumb all over the place. Like, hey, you have fifty percent of your gross rents are your operating expenses in real estate. Well, that's ridiculous, right? Because right. it's going to cost the same amount to to put a roof over top of the property. You know, maybe with within twenty five percent, just labor and materials might be a little bit more expensive, but they're not going to be four or five times more expensive here in Denver than they are out in the Midwest. Um, you know, your vacancy is a percentage of rent, so therefore that will increase uh, with with gross rents. That makes sense. Property management is often a percentage of gross rent, but the cost to operate a property here are only a little bit higher than they are in other parts of the country. So you have to kind of think about, hey, what's 
you know, what's my cash flow actually going to look like? I can't use these rules of thumb that, you know, lots of real estate investors across the country tout. There's no, there is no rule of thumb for any market. And then my philosophy, hey, is I, I like Denver real estate because I believe that in 30 years, I'm going to look back and be like, gee, I was really, I'm really glad I bought in that city, in Denver, Colorado, back in 2000, you know, 2015, 2020, 2025, 2030. Regardless of where we are in the cycle right now, I believe that if I can manage my proper, my portfolio conservatively, I'll come out a little bit ahead of inflation relative to the rest of the national market um, compared to other cities around the country. I believe you can say similar things about many cities like Seattle, Portland, Austin, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee, Miami, Florida. Uh, I think there's a lot of great cities around the country. I think that there are cities that people are moving to because they want to be there. <laughs> Rather than there's jobs or, you know, it's New York, L.A., San Francisco, great cities as well. They're a little expensive. So that's I'm not sure how that's going to work out. But people want to move to Denver. People want to move to Portland, Seattle because they're cool cities. And, and they're going to go figure out the job thing afterwards. So how does the average person, let's say, um, you know, analyzing hundreds of properties sounds a little daunting for the, for the normal the normal person? Um how does someone get involved in this? Is it just buying their own duplex and living next to it just in a place that they want to live? What are, what are some steps for someone who just wants to get started here? Well, yeah, so one of the things that you said earlier was it's really effective to house hack with a small amount of money, right? So if you're, if you're just starting out and you're building up your first 20, 50K in assets, house hacking is one of the best investments you can make. And like I mentioned, the returns can be ridiculous. They're, they're silly when you're, that, when you're that highly leveraged. So... Um, if you're trying to get involved in it, understand that house hacking is probably going to be much better of a choice than buying a, ho a single family home outright or renting. So you can't go too far wrong if you're going to be able to, if you, if, let's, if, let's say you house hack and your, your monthly expenses, you know, your mortgage is three grand and you're getting two grand from the other side. Okay, now you're living for $1,000 a month in a pretty nice place. That's still a lot better than you could have done otherwise, if right. that makes any sense. Yeah, of course. So after, once you've accepted, okay, that's a great way to build wealth, my philosophy is, well, why wouldn't I try to take that as far as I can and get the best deal? You don't have to get the best deal, but if you can, you're going you know, to have instant equity in the property, and you're going to be able to generate more cash flow and live more efficiently than if you get a worse deal. So I th I'd say you don't have to be overwhelmed by it. Understand that even if you come out on average, you're, even if you get an average deal, you're probably going to come out way ahead of what you could do with other types of living situations. But it's not – there's no reason not to try to get the best deal like you would – like any homeowner, like regular home buyer would try to get the best deal. Yeah, man. I, this is like super impressive. <laughs> I think this is uh, – I mean this is really, really valuable knowledge for anyone. I, I realize now – in hindsight, that I was house hacking with my first property, even though I didn't call it that. But I, I did a lot of the things that you advocate, not honestly that intentionally. Uh, it just made logical sense to me. Um, I realized, you know, we live in Chicago, that my place, my place downtown, it was in a really hot market. And I was like, if I wait to get 20% to put down, I'm going to miss this opportunity. It was a great decision. My you know, property has almost tripled in value in the last five years. Um, so I don't even know what the percent of that ROI <laughs> would be. But um, this is incredible, man. What 
other tips do you recommend, uh, you know, for a young investor, not only getting started just in real estate, but just investing in general? Um, do you have any tips for how to make more money or save more money? Or what are some of the other things you're doing? You've obviously read a ton. What are some of your other personal finance hacks that you use in your life? Sure. So I think that that first stage going from zero to 20, 20 to 50, basically, is all about frugality. I think you have to, you know, if you're, if you're making a median wage, you're going to have to save up something. Uh, and that savings does a few things. Uh, one, one keep living a low cost lifestyle allows you to accumulate assets very quickly. Two, by extending that financial runway, you're enabling yourself to one, purchase this house hack or uh, invest in another significant asset uh, for the first time. And two, it allows you to take some risks. You know, if you, if you can live for a year, two years without having to work um, because you have that money outside of, again, that equity, home equity or the 401k, it allows you to take some risks. And so when it comes to earning more money, um, and by, by the way, saving, saving money, you can take care of that almost entirely. You know, 50% of people's expenses is in housing and transportation. Right. You know, 66% of the average American expenses are in housing, transportation, and food. So if you just you know, prepare most of your meals most of the time and house hack within walking or biking distance to work, you just wiped out, you know, two thirds of the average American budget right there and everything else you're doing is immaterial. So that's kind of my thought on the, on the saving side. Once you get that financial runway though, now you can start taking some risks on the income front because unlike saving, income is no guarantee. If you don't spend $10, you get to keep your $10, guaranteed. If you go out and quit your $50,000 a year job and take a $30,000 a year job that offers a $100,000 you know, potential bonus if you hit a certain number of metrics, um, there is no guarantee that you're going to get that money. But that opportunity, that, that's, an extreme, that's an extreme example. Let's, let's use you know, my example, right? I was making 48K a year at Dish Network and I had the opportunity because of my, my uh, financial position and my house hacking to go and work at this startup that I had no idea what the financial condition of bigger pockets was at, when I joined. I didn't have any like, you know, insight into that. I didn't know if I would be if it would be around in five years. Um, it seemed like a great opportunity to me. I loved the company. I love what they stood for. But I could take that opportunity and a pay cut, frankly, uh, to come here and work and pursue my dreams, which resulted in lots of income opportunities for me down the line. So I knew, I knew that my job. The next, my old job, the next step was going to be a promotion to like financial analyst two and a salary of 55 to 60K. I knew that was, that was the best case scenario. That was the best case scenario. Well, that's not good enough if, if, if you're in position to take those risks and you're comfortable with a lower base salary indefinitely and you have a big stockpile of cash already. So that's, that's kind of my thoughts on the income front is you have to eventually take that risk but in order to get comfortable to take that risk, you have to build out a few years of financial runways. Like again, that's the term I keep using. So, no, does man. that make sense? Yeah, it makes all complete sense. You're you're speaking our language. Um, well, this has been a lot of fun, Scott. You know, we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Super impressive. Everyone, go check out Set for Life on Amazon. Guarantee you're going to love it. Number one uh, new book in the wealth management category. Yeah, pretty crazy. Congrats again on that. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, look forward to staying in touch and following your journey. Um, everyone check out Scott Trench online at Bigger Pockets and Set for Life. We really appreciate having you on, Scott. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks for listening to Millennial Money Minutes. If you liked this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe. If you want us to cover a specific topic, use hashtag Millennial Money on Twitter or visit MillennialMoneyMinutes.com.